Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose. And this is the series uh, that we're doing is called The Life. And this is program number 63. And we're going to call it Lessons from Old, which I guess everything that we study about the life of Jesus and prior to the life of Jesus is going to be lessons from old, but I think this lesson here might be a little bit special. Um, Before we get into it, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful that we have another opportunity to examine your word and the lessons that you try to communicate to us to help us to um, be different people, and that's... um, that's sometimes the hardest prayer to follow through on is to have that new heart and to to become a different person. So I just pray for everyone listening and for Rich and myself that um, you help us to continue to work towards that goal of having that, that new heart. And we are thankful for the opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And today's program is going to be based on Matthew 21. Um, Mark 11, Luke 19, and Luke 20. And before we get going here, basically we're going to talk about, we've talked about it in a previous program, is is uh, it, this is the, the second time that Jesus cleanses the temple. And, you know, number one, I, I think of that word cleansing. And did, didn't we write a book, Susan? Uh, and what was the title of that book? Was it Clean, right? right. Clean. And I got to thinking and, and, and kind of uh, putting things together is, you know, addiction, because our book Clean is about getting clean, but it's you're not getting really clean from the drugs. That's a byproduct of becoming mentally clean. Right. Because the addiction is simply the symptom of the disease. Right. Because a person, you know, you can, uh, the, uh, many times it's kind of a shocker when, uh, people see us and meet us and they're like, wow, there's no way that you had that lifestyle. And a lot of times people can look good on the outside and look nice and clean, but on the inside um, is in the secrets of, in the um, recesses of our mind is where the reality really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Does that and make sense? that makes sense because I know, I don't know about you, but I, I see now almost 25 years clean and sober that I still have issues uh, and th- that God has, while I've been clean, God has been working me through these issues of fear and insecurity. And I'm finding that those were the original reasons of why I did 
did what I did to myself. So it's interesting. Do you wonder in the, if we have a next decade of life, if you go back and you say, well, God is, you know, I, God was working on this, but now he's working on this. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, I had no idea that that even, you know, whatever that, whatever that next thing is. Right. Because I think that the human mind, even though it's diminished in, you know, who God is, there are so many levels of um, understanding about uh, sin and um, our, how, how it works on a human mind. Exactly, and the actual condition of the heart, which is our mind, and how complex the yeah. issues are within that that system. Yeah, because we sure tangled it up, right? And you know, the and that's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death, because it tangles your brain up to where good looks bad and bad looks good, right? And pretty soon you lose the very capacity to recognize good. It's just what sin does to the brain. And so at conversion, God says, okay, now the work starts. I've got to untangle it, and it's got to be in his time. It can't be in our time. Right, because when right when we come to God, that's just the first, that's, that's the beginning. Yeah, that's right? the beginning. He may give you new motives, and he may give you, a, you know, turn the boat around, you know, We've often used the metaphor: How do you how do you catch a if you catch a big fish? What do you do? You wait till it turns towards the boat before you reel it in, or else you're going to snap your line. Well, God may get us finally turned towards the and boat, hooked. hooked and turned towards right? the boat. Yeah, but it's a process to get reeled in. Right. We fight like a fish the whole way in because now He's untangling that that mind that has been selfish for so long. Right. And so when you were talking about, um, when you first said the tangling of the mind, I think that sometimes as Christians, and even as the world looks upon um, who God is and their understanding of who God is, I think that we can still be children of God and yet have a tangled mind mm-hmm. in our understanding of who he is, what his attributes are, what his desires are for our life, what his desires are for our future. And so sometimes, even though we can be committed to following God, we can be tangled within our understanding yeah. of who he is. Of who he is and, and and really of who we are and what we're actually really capable of. Right. I mean, do you think David, until Nathan woke him up, thought he was capable of doing? I mean, if you would have asked him before all that happened, hey, David, are you capable of committing adultery and committing murder? and all and, To hide and, it. To hide it. You, he, he would have emphatically said no. Right. But as he tangled himself up, in his selfish desires, he went farther and farther away until finally uh, he had to basically be snapped out of it, if you will. You are that man, David, and and that just kind of, that just woke him up. Right. So oh I really my. I really like the story, and I like the direction that we go in because it um, it kind of examines. You know, it's going to be talking about cleansing the temple, and so it. Instead of that metaphor, it moves into the actuality of our own brains and the things that can defile or the things that can um, cloud our minds and our temples from being right. open and ready for change with God. Right. So let's look at the second time Jesus cleanses the temple, because at the beginning of his ministry, he had driven out those people who had defiled the temple with their unholy traffic. And his stern and godlike demeanor actually struck terror to the hearts of those, uh, the traitors and, and everybody that was just making all the noise in there. And at the close of his mission, he came to the temple again, and he found it still really not in good shape. It was desecrated just as before. The condition was even worse than before. 
The outer court of the temple was like a cattle yard. Right. There were the cries of the animals mixed with the sound of angry um, disputes between the vendors and between the men even that held the sacred office. The dignitaries of the temple were engaging in buying and selling and the exchange of money. They were so controlled by their greed that they were no different than just common thieves. Yeah, and and I don't think that they understood. Maybe they lost the seriousness of their work. Every Passover and every Feast of Tabernacle, thousands of animals were slain, and their blood was caught by the priests and poured upon the altar. And the Jews had become so familiar with the offering of blood that they'd almost lost sight of the fact that it was sin that made it necessary for all of this shedding of blood because it was a metaphor. Right, and the metaphor um, represented in the lamb, you know, Jesus was the lamb of God. He was helpless. The lamb is helpless and it doesn't fight back. Mm-hmm. And and the sinner is the one who slays the lamb. Right. Because we with our own actions are the ones that... That put him on the cross. Absolutely. And then you have the blood that's poured out and this symbolizes Jesus's life being poured out to win us back to God. So yeah. that, even it, I was t- saying to Rich earlier, even that statement is a metaphor, you know, mm-hmm. symbolizing the, his Jesus's life being poured out so that do, we can be one back to God. Well, what does that mean? What does that, you know, Jesus's life and his sacrifice mean? And how does that bring in, in someone like me to God. Yeah, see and and that's it. It's it's a it's God doing everything he possibly can. Not Jesus doing everything he can to propitiate God's wrath. God is doing everything he can to propitiate our wrath. We are angry with God. We are estranged from God. Mm-hmm. We run from God. We hide from God. We call God names. We blame God for everything. Mm-hmm. We are the ones angry with him. And so Jesus basically is that, for lack of a better term, a bouquet of flowers that God is offering to kind us. Kind of a go-between, right? Yes, saying, look it, I will do everything. I will pour my life out. I will let you nail me to the cross, and I will forgive you while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And this is this is God at his finest and glorious because it's revealing what he is willing to go through because he loves us that much. And so the temple now, he comes and he's cleansing the temple, and the temple, once again, it's a metaphor for the human heart. Because what do we, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, know ye not that ye are the temple of God. And 1 Peter 2.5, we are living stones in the temple. So we have the temple being a metaphor for the human heart. Number one, the people that were ran out were the Pharisees, and of course the Pharisees are going to be illustrated um, in the human heart. One of the biggest problems is pride. And so the Pharisees are going uh, to represent pride in the human heart. And then the other problem we have in a human heart are animal passions. And the beasts are a metaphor for the ma- animal passions. And of course the other thing, the money changers were, were run out, and of course the money changers in the human heart are a metaphor for greed. So we have problems. We have problems with pride. We have problems with our animal passions. We have problems with greed. And the last but not least is fear. And that's represented in the metaphor from everyone running out from the presence of God, from the presence of Jesus, this lowly carpenter. They're all running out from him. And of course, last but not least, we have childlike faith. The only ones that are left 
are the child, children left sitting on Jesus' lap. So you see this beautiful metaphor of the temple being, being cleansed, and Jesus is running out pride, animal passions, greed, and fear. He's chasing them all out, and that's what he wants to do with us to make us, quote-unquote, clean. Right. Right. So, that, so that's a bigger picture of what's going on in everybody's heart and mind. Right. We're exactly. All, we, are, we all are, every single one of us... Um, have those either one or several of those issues that come in and it and it messes our up our our ability to see things correctly exactly so so when he runs the pharisees out he's run it's a metaphor from him chasing the pride out of our hearts when he runs the beasts out it's a metaphor from him running our sensual animal passion and desires out of the heart when he runs the money changers out, it's a, it's a metaphor from him chasing the greed out of our heart. And, of course, the fear and everyone running from the presence of God. We've been afraid of God ever since Adam pointed at God and blamed him for his sin. Right. And, you know, the thing is, is it seems like that we're getting to a place in human history where the culmination or the building up of all of these fears and these um, bad character traits are like hitting its height. Right, they are, and and the the more the stronger that those characteristics can be in an individual life, the less Christ-like we are, the less loving we are, the less willing we are to reach out to help a brother in need or a sister in need, and um, so it's interesting because it's kind of like, uh, well, we know the scripture says perfect love casts out all fear, fear, right, and and every one of these character characteristics of the human mind are all driven by fear right you know the guy that's the most puffed up in the room he's the one that's the he's most really afraid, afraid. yeah right. he isn't so he has to puff himself up right and and you go right down the line see and so this it, it's a beautiful metaphor of what jesus wants to do to the human heart and when he does this the burdens are lifted right we, we don't have to win the argument Right. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to participate in the sensual stuff that causes guilt and shame. You know, we don't have to earn the biggest paycheck. Right. And it, it, it lifts the burdens. Right. So we can come back to having that childlike faith who trust in God, regardless of, of anything that's going around in our life. And, and he said, just become like little children. In other words, let me run the pride out. Let me run the greed out. Let me run your animal passions out. And the only ones that were left in that temple were the the, the sick and the lame and the children. Right, the people that needed that the healing. Knew they and needed the, it. And the children that were willing to listen and to learn. Fascinating so isn't metaphor. That, that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be willing to say, yeah, I, I need I need healing. I need to understand where my sickness is. I need healing, and I'm open to listening to you as my instructor. Yeah, and if as I look at this metaphor, yep, I got them all. Pride, animal passions, greed, fear, right? right. And when they're gone, what's left is childlike faith. It is such a beautiful metaphor. And so we have to be willing to be like David after David was busted, <laughs> if you will. He said, create in me a what? clean heart right renew a right spirit within me in other words come into my mind and chase all these evil desires out of my heart and and i think too when we have those evil desires or we have those um characteristics in our mind we are unable to um practice the things that god wants us to practice whether they're um 
you know, our minds get clouded with the fear, so we're incapable of seeing the correctness of what's supposed to be exactly true because yeah because all of these areas sensualism egoism materialism you're thinking with the wrong part of the brain right you're not using the frontal lobe when when you're run by pride especially when you're really heated up you're almost thinking with your brainstem right you know it's just we get to that point we don't think clearly when we're driven by all the that's a really good point Right, um, so we're so like I love how you said because we would teach about you know there's a spiritual nature and there's a carnal nature, and then it's our choices in between. Do we go and do we operate in the lower nature, or are we going to practice operating in the spiritual nature? Right, and I know for myself, if I'm afraid, I do not think straight. If right. I'm being prideful, I do not think straight. I, in fact, with all of these categories, I do not think straight. Mm-hmm. But if I can calm down, leave God in control, mm-hmm. then I can get back into my frontal lobe and I can start thinking straight and say, okay, what's best for all concern? Not what's best for rich. Right. What's best for all concern? Because now I'm calmed down again. So that it's just it's such a wonderful metaphor. Right. So Jesus looked upon the innocent victims of sacrifice and saw how the Jews and the church um, and the scene of the bloodshed and the cruelty. In place of humble repentance for sin, they had increased the sacrifices of the beasts as if God would be honored by a heartless service. So it's like, well, I'll just keep bringing, yeah, yeah. I'll just keep bringing my thing that'll kind of wash my um, my uh, my chart out of everything that I owe and then I can go back and start the yeah, next that, day, go back to the, my same behavior. That will appease God. Right. Because God's angry with me. Right. It's the other way around. We're angry with God. God is... The whole Bible, remember, we talked about it. The beginning of it, man is with God, communing. The end of it, man is with God, communing. And the whole middle of the Bible is man running from God and God chasing after man and man still being angry with God throughout and, the whole thing. And the thing is, is I don't think that we realize that we are angry with God. I think it's something that um, that takes a lot of delving in and kind of really searching your heart to see that anger is what's at the bottom of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because, so that's interesting. So what we do is we take our attributes and put them to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me, it's and take a God's attributes and take them to ourselves. Yeah, it's right? projection. What did right. Adam do in the garden? Right. You know, wh- why did you, why did you run, Adam? Why did you hide? Well, I was naked and ashamed and afraid of what you would do to me. Yeah, so I and, hid myself instead yeah. of what I did. Yeah, and, and and God, God was chasing. God didn't threaten Adam. Right. He didn't. None of that. Adam was unhappy with Adam, so. Now he projected that onto God. And he blames God. everybody else yep. around him. Adam was not help- happy with himself, and that's what sin does. We get so unhappy with ourselves, and we get so used to it that the best place to be is as far away from God as we could possibly be. Right. And and it's really dangerous nowadays because we can have, we're not even knowing, we can have so many idols. Mm-hmm. We can have so many idols right now. Security could be an idol. Right. You know, our retirement can, account can bank be an account. Our right? bank account can be an idol. In other words, I find my life and my security in the fact that I've got X amount of dollars in my retirement plan and I'm fine. Right. What happens if that was to evaporate? Right. So then, in, you know, in an instant, right? Yeah, we need right. to ask ourselves where are we finding our life and our security from? Mm-hmm. Because we've got everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and when that all gets taken away, is there going to be a 300 million person temper tantrum? Right. 
how's that going to look? Right. Because every place that we're getting life from gets taken away. And every every place that we're getting life from is really a dead zone. It is. It's right? a dead zone. It's, it's a it, dead it's zone. It's that broken cistern. Right. Remember Jesus said, you drink from this well, you're going to get thirsty again. What? What? I have to ask myself, what wells am I drinking from? Mm-hmm. You know, am I am I drinking from security in, 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 in this or am I drinking from security in this? Where is my idols? And it's so hard because it's kind of like that's, you know, if we, you know, we're just trying to do what we can to be successful in life and to, you know, to kind of go along with the flow. But in reality, it's it should be the opposite of that. But it's really hard. Yeah, because to you're trying let, to build your security right. because that's the prudent thing to do but when that becomes your source of life that's where it really and and it's hard to admit that right so then there's nothing wrong with having a retirement account it's just is that your goal in life is that your source of life right exactly yeah because the only where does life come it comes from jesus only right that's the source of life and and so i think too so then we have to come back and say okay so what am i projecting in my life on a daily basis, do I project life or do I continue to project death? Mm-hmm. Am I causing fear? Am I causing people to be greedy around me? Or am I being so unconditionally giving with whatever it may be, whether it's my time, whether it's you know grabbing somebody's uh, uh, shopping cart because it, she's got a couple of kids and you're saying, mm-hmm. let me take your cart for you. So are we being forces of good or forces of evil? Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. And you know, and, and I... I kind of almost want to make a call a- ask yourself you know are you are you getting your life from the next like on social media right there's so many places false broken cisterns where right now people are grasping we're all grasping we're mm-hmm. all guilty of this and god cries why we do it because like jesus told the woman at the well you know you drink from this water you're going to get thirsty again i'm sorry i can't help that's what reality is. Right. And so, especially in these end times, as we have everything, we're able to basically uh, be secure mm-hmm. with a what, false security. A, it's a false security. And uh, it, it frightens me sometimes to, to wonder what I'm capable of when one of my little sources of life gets taken away electricity. <laughs> Any number of things, right. you know, right. um, and so um, yeah, it's it's just an it's and, just an interesting way to look at and, things. And so I think it is is we have to decide day by day who our leader in life is. Mm-hmm. You know, is the is the lead the what's going to lead us in our life? Is it the the confines of this world or is it going to be the heavenly path? Yep. You know, which path are we going to go down? Yeah, you know, we we were talking about Moses, and and it, it the Bible says that he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to live in sin for a season, he could have been the next Pharaoh of Egypt. Right. And what did he do? He went and he would not participate in the worldly priestly rituals that would have he would have been required to do to become the next Pharaoh. And he lined up with the people of God who were oppressed. They were slaves. They had nothing. And he lined up with them because he saw that future vision. That he, and, and he knew how tempting it would be to have everything. 
Right. So are we in it for the short haul or are we in, in it for it's the long a, haul? It's a sobering question. It's a sobering question for all of us because personally with me, I don't know what I don't know. Right. And that scares me. Right. I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm capable of when when, when things go really wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And, and they probably will. So we keep continually go to Christ and allow him to yep. be that, that source of Take life. it to him now. Right. Take it to him now. Have him reveal to you where your source of life is if it's not him. Right. I urge you because this is, a, this is huge because when it happens, we don't know what we're capable of. And that's very scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let him cleanse the temple now while and there's time. And he can do it. He can do it. He can cleanse the temple. He'll just behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's the great physician. He's the great physician. We are going to have to wrap it up. That was a a quick half hour, folks. Um, Give us a call, 916-41. No, I almost gave my cell number, (laughs) 916-645-1297. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.